Yes, it's us again at the Story Hive from the autumn winter season of our Story Hive podcast. Remember, we are the home of amazing audio stories and we hope you enjoy these little three story selections. Remember, they're designed to be short and sweet just to fill in a time when you're flying somewhere on a train, waiting for somebody or just sitting having a coffee or waiting to pass the time somewhere and you think, I know, I'd like to be entertained and listen to a story. Well, today's story, so I can zoom straight along, this is from a collection for children. Now, we know that sounds a bit unusual. Why would we be giving that to you as adults? But we think they're rather deep and beautiful. So hopefully you're in that kind of mood. The collection is called Stories from the House of Eternal Summer, and to kick off, here's the first one, and it's called The Man Who Grasped Beauty. Long, long ago, in a far-off province of China, where the five hills meet, stood the house of eternal summer. The house nestled in the fold of the hills and faced down a valley, looking out over a sleepy little village. Now outside the house, in a chair, in the garden sat the old man who lived there as long as anybody could remember and he rarely left his house or gardens and many people called on him not just to visit but for advice for you see the old man was very wise one morning as the sun dragon awoke and threw his beams over the hills the old man had a young boy laughing in the garden and walking out onto the small path he saw him happily playing amongst the pools and ponds and the boy looked up and seeing the old man he blushed oh i i'm sorry i'm in your garden honourable father but it just looks so beautiful and he trailed off no that is fine i like to share my garden you may come any time you like but but tell me why do you laugh so my son said the old man, and the boy smiled. Why? Because I had caught something very precious, father, look! And running forwards, he held up his cupped hands. The old man leant forward until he could just about see a brightly coloured butterfly trapped between the young boy's fingers. Isn't it beautiful, honourable father, the boy said. And the old man smiled. Well, yes. Have you ever heard the story of the man who grasped beauty, my little adventurer? And the boy shook his head and laughed. No, father, I haven't. Hmm. Be seated then and hear. Know then, my son, that beyond the fourth hill, many, many moons since past, in the faraway lands of Shensha province, lived a feared and great prince. And the prince ruled the land for many miles around. Now, this great prince was a direct relative of a cousin of the emperor and was deeply respected by all the officials of the district for he was a very important and powerful great prince. Now, one day, as he visited the court of one of the smaller provinces, he saw a lovely girl called Moonflower singing and laughing in the palace courtyards. Now, little Moonflower was as pretty and as graceful as the fresh willow and the flowers of the garden, and her lovely dresses were made from silks of every hue and colour. Indeed, 
she was absolutely the court favourite, for everyone was happy and smiled when she sang and laughed around the palace. You see, everyone loved Little Moonflower, especially her father, who was the High Chancellor in the court. Now, it seemed that the great prince of Shenshar province was quite taken by Moonflower. Hmm, what my castle could do with is a girl just like that, the great prince thought. And finding out she was the daughter of the High Chancellor, he put on his armour and he stiffly marched to the High Chancellor's offices. The High Chancellor bowed very low. My esteemed great prince, I had no idea you were coming. It is such an honour that you should visit me. But before he could continue, the prince rudely broke in. Yes, 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 I, I'm a busy man. Um, Tell me, who is that young girl who sings and dances in the palace courtyard? The High Chancellor felt himself grow pale. Why, why that, that's my oldest daughter, honoured great lord. Moonflower is her name. Ah, see, said the great prince, a noble family line then. Uh, send her to me immediately. And turning his back on the Chancellor, he strode away, his grey armour gleaming dully. Now, the High Chancellor was very sad. You see, he loved his little daughter deeply, and the thought of the cold great prince showing interest made him very, very unhappy. Now, not far away, a small crowd sat listening in a courtyard by the water orchid gardens, and they were all enchanted, as little Moonflower sang and played a sweet song of love. <sighs> One of the courtiers sighed. When she sings and dances, I forget who I am and I dance upon the wind for a while. And the other smiled and nodded, for this was exactly how they all felt. But then suddenly the great prince clattered into the courtyard, and everyone bowed and lowed their heads in respect. Walking up to Moonflower, he said, You will come and sing and dance in my castle, for I have decided, and it is an honour to you, but I am going to take you back with me. Now come along, we leave very soon, and I do not have time to waste. And turning his back on her sharply, he beckoned her to follow him as he grandly strode away through the courtyard gates. Now, the little moonflower was very unhappy, for although he was indeed a great and rich prince, she knew very little about him, and only that she felt he was cold and rude and mean. And so quickly stealing away, she rushed through the palace and into her father's chambers. Father, father, she called. I've been told I have to go with the great prince and go and live in his castle. But he's so cold and stern. Please, father, please do something. And she hung her head and sobbed as he held her and stroked her hair. Oh, my daughter, I'm so sad for you and I, I promise you I'll do everything I can. But remember, my dear. He's a very powerful man and related to the Emperor. But do not fear. I will go and see him right now and I will persuade him otherwise. And shuffling off, the High Chancellor went in search of the Great Prince. A palace trumpet blasted loudly from the High Tower as the Prince, his soldiers and his courtiers began to assemble in front of the palace gates with all their luggage and horses and carriages ready to depart. The High Chancellor bowed very low as he stood in front of the Prince. O mighty and great Lord, 
please do not take my daughter from me. There are many fine ladies in the court willing to come with you, who are far more suitable and much more noble. The prince looked down at him coldly. You presume much, my lord. I've told you my wishes, and you dare to try and dissuade me, the great prince of Shenshar province and relative of the emperor? I may consider your request, but for now, leave us. And angrily reining in his horse, he yelled, Forwards and home! And a huge party of soldiers and carts and horses clattered away noisily down the dusty road. Now the High Chancellor stood for a moment, his heart momentarily lighter at the Prince's words, when suddenly one of the clerks rushed up to him. I've, I've terrible news, my most honourable lord. Your daughter has been taken away by the Prince. He sent two soldiers for her, and although she struggled, they simply picked her up and carried her away. There was nothing we could do. To resist him would be way too dangerous. The High Chancellor sighed, and he shook his head and brushed away a tear. And looking longingly at the great prince's departing caravan of horses and soldiers and carriages, he slowly walked back into the palace. Many hours later, the sun dragon began to sink behind the hills as the great prince and his men rode silently back towards their castle. Now, in a silk-lined carriage and horses of the great prince sat little Moonflower, and she was very sad. She dared not disobey the great prince, for he was very powerful, and she loved her father, and she knew he would get into trouble, and so she sat there silently, looking from the carriage window. And eventually their long journey ended, as they noisily click-clocked, click-clocked over the drawbridge into the vast courtyard of the prince's huge castle and enormous palace. Prepare my finest royal apartments, he yelled, clapping his hands, and he sent servants scurrying around to obey him. Now little Moonflower was tired and still very frightened as she sat in the golden silk carriage of the prince, silently staring around the huge, dark, grey courtyard. And eventually, at the great prince's instructions, she was led to some vast rooms, richly furnished, but dark and gloomy. And there she was left with her luggage, a lonely little figure, brightly coloured, amongst the grey and grim walls of the great castle palace of the prince. And finally, the sun dragon's rays sank slowly in the west, and the great prince strode into a chamber, his clinking dull grey armour breaking the silence of the echoing corridors. He gestured around him. Well, my dear, you are here now, and anything you desire shall be yours. What do you think of that, eh? Am I not generous? Now, tell me, what do you desire the most? I want to go home, whispered Little Moonflower. The prince stood back. Home? Go home? Nonsense, you're here now. You, you 
can't go home. It would make me look foolish. And besides, your tiny home has nothing I do not possess tenfold and better. And angrily turning upon his heels, he strode away. Now, many days passed, and little Moonflower silently walked the corridors and rooms of the great grey castle, now dressed in a plain grey kimono, holding a fan of black silk she was so very sad and she so missed her home the great prince could not understand it for although he commanded his servants to bring little moonflower whatever she desired she wanted nothing just a little rice and fish once a day now the servants who attended her had her tales of a delightful creature who sang and smiled and danced. And they were very confused at the silent, sad-faced girl they waited upon. But they were not as confused as the great prince. Each night, little Moonflower sat and dreamed of her home, with its happy faces, her fussy old father, and sparkling fountains in flower-filled courtyards. And each day, as she sat looking out over the stern castle palace walls to the vast lands beyond, she felt a constant longing to be home. And so it was that each day, when the great prince offered little Moonflower whatever she desired, gold, jewels, silk dresses, she would simply whisper, I want to go home. Well, at this the great prince would shake with rage and storm about, saying he didn't understand why she wasn't happy, and everyone around would bow low and wait until his rage subsided. And this went on for many weeks. Until one day, for the great prince was walking through his castle when he heard laughter coming from Moonflower's chambers and very, very quietly he crept to the door and peered through a crack in the wood and to his surprise he saw little Moonflower sitting by an open window smiling and laughing so prettily and singing as she watched two tumbling swallows singing and soaring and playing in the wide-open blue morning sky. That very day, the great prince ordered his finest horse be saddled and he quietly told little Moonflower she was to return home and the palace guards were called to escort her and the servants stared in wonder and amazement as now Little Moonflower, dressed in her brightest rainbow silk, sat upon a fine white horse, sparkling with jewels, and she sang as she rode along the dusty path that led to her home and led to her father. While the great prince stood silently, watching high from a tower in his castle, and he smiled. You see, at last, he learnt a great truth. The old man slowly stood up 
began to walk back along the path towards the house. The boy was confused. Uh, 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 please, father, uh, could, could you wait? I don't understand what great truth had the prince found. And the old man paused and turned and smiled. Ah, you do not see it, my little friend? Why, the great prince, like many others before him, had found that when you hold something of beauty tightly to yourself, it ceases to sparkle with a light of freedom and joy, and then is no longer truly beautiful. You see, if you do not share it with the world, you have lost the very thing you'd hoped to keep. And he stopped and looked at the boy. Now, my son, please open your hands. And the boy did so, and the trapped butterfly unfolded its great wings and sailed high into the blue sky, finally free, its gorgeous, vibrant colours shining brilliantly in the bright sunlight. And the old man smiled. Beauty, he whispered, and slowly walked back along the path through the flowers that swayed in the garden of the house of eternal summer. Now, we hope you enjoyed that. Many times as children, we've often thought, wouldn't it be good when we're small and we get upset and we get angry just to run away? So we decided to create a story for children and adults up to a point, because sometimes I think we'd all like to run away, but especially for children to remind them if you're going to run away, there's probably a better way to do it. And we put it into a story and it's called The Little Kite. Long, long ago, in the far-off province of China, where the five hills meet, stood the house of eternal summer. And the house, nestled in a fold of the hills, facing down a valley, looking out over a sleepy little village. And outside the house, in the chair in the garden, sat the old man, who'd lived there for as long as anyone could remember. He rarely left his house or gardens, but many people called on him, not only to visit, but for advice, for the old man was very wise. Outside the house of eternal summer, the rain lay in pools in the meadow, and high above, the grey sky dragons rumbled ominously. The boy and his friend shivered in the drizzle that blew from the mountains as they made their way up to the path to the old man's house, and they knocked upon his door. And the old man, who'd been dozing by the fire, rose slowly and ushered them in. Come, come, enter both of you, my young friends. Dry yourselves by the fire. On such a day the flowers may drink indeed. And soon the boy and his friend were comfortably seated before the fire, sipping hot drinks and toasting their feet in the warm glow. Now, what makes you walk the hills in this downpour, my young friends, said the old man. You're surely not playing out in this weather. And the boy shook his head. No, father. You see, my friend was going to run away, but I told him that we should see you first. And the boy's friend looked solemn. Yes, father, I want to see the world and find out things, and I know my parents won't let me go, so I think I'll run away on my own. And the old man nodded. I see. And have you told no one of your plans, your parents at all? The young boy looked stubborn. Oh, no, sir. 
No, they would just stop me. Outside, the Lady of the Wind began to sing around the eaves of the house, and the old man sat back in his chair, and he thought for a while, until he gently smiled. Now then, my young friends, please sit for a moment and listen to the story of the little kite. In a distant valley, far beyond the five hills, was once a small village. And at the far end of the village was a little kite maker's shop. And all around its wooden walls hung kites of every size and shape and colour. And they rattled against the walls as the Lady of the Wind blew down from the mountains, whistling through the cracks in the shop walls. And on one wall, a large box kite shivered in the draught. What a wind! Oh, it's so cold! I like a warm breeze to float upon, and I simply insist on sunshine. And all the other kites nodded their agreement. But for one, a small kite, high on the wall, and he quivered with excitement and yelled, Not me! I love the wind! I could sail to the moon on a wind such as this! And the old box kite snorted, You young kites! Don't you know you need a strong line and a guiding hand? Nonsense, said the small kite. I can get higher and faster on my own. Who needs a line? They only hold you back. No, I want to fly as far and as high as I can. When just then, the window, which had only been loosely fastened, suddenly came undone and a great breeze suddenly gusted into the room. Well, all the other kites clung to their hooks as the wind blasted in through the open window. But the small kite shouted with glee, Whee! And he leapt from his hook into the whistling gusts that blew, and out of the window he sailed, small and bright. And very soon a huge updraft carried him high into the air, and he wheeled and turned as he tumbled along on the wind, and soon he was a faint speck in the vastness of the empty, stormy sky. And high up in the air, the small kite laughed in joy as the village and the kite shop became as dots far, far below him. He didn't care. He was free, with no one to hold him back, and onwards he tumbled until he came to a large cloud that hung motionless in the darkness of the stormy sky. And the cloud was grey and full of water, and as the small kite flew into it, it got colder and colder and wetter and wetter. And though he felt chilly and thought of the kite shop, he simply shook himself as he was blown onwards. He was free. He could fly anywhere, he thought. But the later it got, the darker it became. And soon the small kite began to feel a little scared. As soon all around him was utter darkness. He couldn't see where he was going and blindly he was blown along by the winds that sailed around the top of the world. Hour after hour passed, and as the small kite whirled and fell along the wind, soon stars began to wink and twinkle around him. One star called down to him, Hello, little kite. What are you doing up here so high, so alone? This is the place of the stars. And the small kite shivered, I know, but I can't get back as I've no line to pull me in. And the star glimmered and frowned. Hmm, 
Now I've often looked down to the earth, and all the other kites I see have lines. Why haven't you? And then the small kite puffed himself up, though he was wet and cold. I control my own line. I don't need anybody. I can go wherever I want to. And although he said it loudly, the star could see he wasn't very convinced. And soon the small kite left the star behind as the wind fell. And soon he began to tumble and whirl back towards the earth, while around him lay the vast open sky, stretching in every direction as far as he could see. Oh, he shivered with cold and gave a little sneeze. And soon he found himself tumbling down and down until he saw an albatross gracefully gliding on the breezes that ruffled his white feathers. Hello, little kite, he said. You're far from home. How do you like life on the wing, then? And the small kite gave a little smile. Oh, oh, thank you. Yes, it's fine. It's fine. I can fly wherever I'd like to. And the albatross shrieked. You don't sound too happy. Are you all right? Would, would you like me to guide you? At this, the small kite shrugged. No, I don't need guiding. Of course I'm all right. No one has to help me fly along. I can guide myself, thank you. And with that, he skittered away as the breezes sang through the land of the clouds, sending him tumbling downwards and upwards and onwards. Now below him, he could now see a huge ocean sparkling with silver in the dark as the Lady of the Moon showered its surface with her beams. And now the small kite wondered just how far he'd come. And he began to think about his little hook that he'd hung upon on the wall of the old man's kite shop. And then he thought he might never see the shop and the other kites, his friends, ever again. And as he thought about that and all his friends, a little tear rolled down his face. The sky around him was so vast and from he couldn't be sure where, the sun dragon's rays slowly rose and the early morning warmly shone around him, scattering a soft blueness through the air. And now he began to feel warmer and he quickly dried out, which made him very happy about it. But he was still a little concerned as to exactly where he was. Far below him, the ocean rolled and strolled and splashed as dolphins now broke through from under the water, flying through the air as they dived and played. But soon the ocean ended, and now below him he could see endless forests and fields, and he was breathtaking by the beauty of the land. But he couldn't stop to enjoy the view, as his tiny frame was thrown about completely at the mercy of the wind. Now by now, the small kite was looking a little pale, as his colours had run in the dampness of the night clouds, and soon he began to wish he'd not totally embarked upon his journey so thoughtlessly, for though he had seen the stars and the clouds and the rolling oceans, he couldn't enjoy them properly, because he was too small, and he was tossed and tumbled on the slightest breeze that blew in his path. He had to go whichever way the wind took him. He missed his friends. He missed the shop. Now he felt very sad as he wafted above some high treetops, 
he now realised the wind had changed, and below him he could see the village in which stood the kite shop. And now frantically he shouted and called out, Help me, help me, I'm up here, someone stop, help! And his shouts fell through the air, and were heard by a great white owl, who was gliding along, enjoying the sun on her back, as she flew back to her bed. Here, here, here then, little kite! What's the matter? What's all this noise? Twoo, twoo! And the small kite told the great owl of his journey, and how he'd got so high and so far, but that now he missed his friends in the shop, and he looked very sad. And the great white owl listened for another second, and then gently caught him in her claw, and fell, like a snow-white blur, tumbling from the sky, until she drew level with the window of the kite shop, and gently she sent the small kite tumbling inside and back onto his hook, where all the other kites were so happy to see him, for he was home and safe where all little kites should be. The boy and his friend stretched as the fire's glow sent shadows along the wall of the old man's house, and now the boy's friend who looked very serious before, smiled. Father? The small kite was very happy to return, wasn't he? And the old man chuckled. Yes, my young rover. You see, he had learnt that to journey unprepared and alone was not such an adventure after all. You see, the small kite realised that whatever he thought, he had a home and a family who loved him and missed him. And he missed them. It's a great big world out there. And the little kite, with no one to guide him, had to go wherever the wind blew, for he had no choice. For life, though a great adventure, should be prepared for. Without it, it is difficult to enjoy. And the line the little kite spoke about was a line made of love. A line that guides us as we travel that gently tugs us down to earth and brings us safely home. Outside, the rain had now stopped, and the old man rose from his chair. Now, let us have some honey cakes, he said, and the windows of the house of eternal summer glowed with the firelight, and the evening fell cool and clear, as a soft breeze rippled the puddles that lay along the road which twined down the hill, in front of the mountains that stretched to the first star of the evening as it shone down onto the valley and into the garden of the house of eternal summer. Well, we hope that actually rang a bell with some of you. Anyway, as we say, we've decided not to do the writing tips here on the podcast. Instead, look at it on our social media. Just look out for the Story Hive audios or the Story Hive. You'll find us everywhere. So it's time for the last story. And it's a rather deep story and we hope you enjoy it. And it's from our collection for children, but we think adults will get something from this. I'm not going to tell you what the story is about. Apart from this, it's called The Little Star. Long, long ago, in the far-off province of China, where the five hills meet, stood the house of eternal summer. 
and the house nestled in the fold of the hills and faced down a valley, looking out over a sleepy little village. Now outside the house, in a chair in the garden, sat the old man, who'd lived there for as long as anyone could remember, and he rarely left his house or gardens, but many people called on him, not only to visit, but for advice, for the old man was very wise. A fleecy white cloud hung motionlessly in the clear blue afternoon sky, while far below, in the garden of the house of eternal summer, the sun-dragon gently warmed the flowers. In the meadow beyond, the boy saw the old man, standing in the heather along the meadow path. A beautiful day, father, said the boy, and the old man nodded, but said nothing. And there they stood, in silence, until after a while the boy spoke quietly. You are quiet today, father. And the old man gently smiled. Yes, I am, young tiger. You see, today I think of this day and someone I once knew. And the boy looked puzzled. Oh, someone you once knew? Why, why have they gone away? And the old man bowed his head. Yes, they have merely left the earth, but no, they can never go away, not truly. And the boy stood next to him, quietly in the warm afternoon, looking out across the waving tops of the flowers, till finally the old man began to speak. My son, beyond the fourth mountain, where the green hills run low, once lived a farmer and his family, and they worked on the land through each season. Now the farmer was a hard-working man, and no matter what the weather, he tended his crops and he fed the animals in the fields. And all the people in the little village at the end of the valley were glad, for they bought his produce and lived and prospered. Now the farmer and his wife had two sons, both tall and strong, and they helped their family tend the crops, and their mother chopped the firewood and draw water from the well, and they were the best sons in the world. Soon the January snows drifted across the fields, and in the farmhouse the family sat, cosy and warm, around a roaring log fire. Their stores were full, the house was strong, and they laughed together and told each other stories as the winter howled about the roof eaves. Now, one day, as the two sons went to collect firewood in the snow, the younger son, Charling, called to his older brother, Yotzang. Oh, here, brother, help me with this load. Oh, it's much too heavy. And his brother ran to help him, and together they lifted the wood and made their way back to the house. That evening, Yotzang took his father to one side. Father, this afternoon something strange happened. I had to help Charlene with a load of wood. He said it was heavy, but it was very light, and he couldn't lift it. His father frowned. Why, that is strange. Hmm, you know, only the other day your mother had to help him lift water from the well. Perhaps he has the winter flu. I, I, I'd better call the doctor. Well, soon the village doctor came, and he saw Charlene. And as the farmer closed the door of his son's bedroom, the doctor beckoned to him, and he told him that Charlene was very ill and he needed some rest. And, farmer, I must tell you some more bad news, for I now fear Charlene will never get better. 
and the farmer was shocked. But, but, but how? He's a strong boy. He's a good boy. What is wrong with him, doctor? The doctor hung his head. The illness he has knows no barrier, and I have no medicine for it. And it brings with it such sadness, and even my profession struggle to understand it. And the farmer's wife entered, and she listened, standing by her husband's side. And as the doctor left, they sought comfort in each other's tender embrace. The seasons passed, and soon the spring came, and Charling had to sit and watch from the veranda of the house as his father and brother worked the long day through alone. And though he longed to help, he was simply too weak to plough and dig. But in his own way he worked. He helped his mother clean the house. He did washing and chores. And in his own quiet way, he felt of use. And the farmer looked on with pride as his son faced each day with determination. While Yotsang, his other brother, his heart heavy, saw the long working days through without his beloved brother at his side. And on many a night, the farmer's wife wept for her son, and the husband wept too, but they never let him see their sadness, for they knew he needed their love and support. And then, as the spring blossomed, the family faced the new season together, as they always had, and the doctor often called to help him, but each time he left, Charling and his family sat at the dinner table as if nothing was wrong, a family strong with love. Now one night, as the farmer walked around the house, checking that all was well, to his surprise, he saw on the hilltop the outline of his son gazing up at the moon, and so he made his way along the path until they stood together, and there they stayed, talking for hour upon hour until the sun dragon's rays flew from the hills and the dawn arose. And from that day on, the farmer worked with a new will, and his wife and other son gained strength from his new lighter heart. And the farm prospered, and the spring crops bloomed, and the seasons grew in the way of the light. But sadly, Charling grew weaker each passing week, until one day, as the Lady of the Wind blew the blossoms from the trees, Charling left the spring behind forever. And the farmer grieved with his family for their lost son, and in the way of the seasons the crops grew and fell, and soon the time was harvested by years. Now, one spring night, the farmer's wife awoke to find her husband gone, and she called to Yotsang, and together they looked around the house for him. And then the moon lit up the room, and through the window they could see him standing on top of the hill. And very quietly they made their way along the path until they all stood together in the moonlight. The farmer smiled, and he looked at his wife and son. One night, such as this, I stood with our Charlene, gazing up at the moon and stars, and he told me of his sadness of what he knew to be his fleeting moments with us. But he also told me something to show he understood the truth. You see, he told me to think of our winter story times around the fire, 
And then he chose a star in the heaven. There, that small bright one, right above us. And he said that was where he would go. And as it shone, he would shine down on us and our farm. And he would love us forever. So you see now, we can look up to the sky on any night and see him and think of those joyous winter moments and him and his love shining down on us, lighting our hearts forever for all time. The boy blinked in the brilliant sunlight. Your friend who went away, father, he went away to that other place beyond life, didn't he? And you miss him, don't you? And the old man smiled and gently nodded. Yes, my young tiger. He went to the other place beyond life, the place we call death. And do I miss him? Yes, I do. You see, we feel so many emotions when we lose those we truly love. Anger, despair, pain. We're confused. You see, we miss them so much it aches and our tears fall free. But, just like the farmer's son, my friend can never truly leave me. You see, my little tiger, for a person we love to ever, ever stop being in our hearts is a thing that can never be. For as long as we remember just one single wonderful moment or time, it is in that single shining moment they live eternally inside our hearts. So we just have to close our eyes and see them shining like a little star, bright and safe, high in the sky, shining down on us with their love forever. And all around them the meadow heather swirled and swayed in the gentle breeze, and long shadows of clouds raced along like a rolling sea. And there the old man and the boy stood in the wonder of a lovely day, in the meadow, beyond the hills, beyond the house of eternal summer. Well, that is a deep story and we hope you enjoyed it. So it's time for us to say goodbye again. And today we hope the world is full of possibilities. Bye now.